Welcome to Welcome the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Derek. Hello, everybody. Ooh, that was <laughs> that was a good one. That was spectacular. <laughs> um, tonight we've got uh, we've got a show planned. We're going to well, planned. We're doing a show. We don't plan anything, as you guys know. Uh, we're going to talk about low light uh, and uh, some of the equipment we carry, some of the things we recommend around low light. Um, hopefully talk a little bit about some potential training if we can find ranges night teabag at some point. Yeah, um, challenge getting ranges. Challenge getting ranges. Uh, and then some, some, some practice-related stuff with that. Um, but before that, um, Gaz, I believe you did something exciting. Yeah, so I did something very exciting. I actually got offered the opportunity to go to Bernard Agencies earlier this week and get a chance to shoot um, Glock 23 and uh, Glock 22 Gen 5. Um, and my initial impressions are fantastic on the guns. They, they really impressed me. They've done a lot of R&D and work into making these 40s perform really, really well. Um, so I'm excited to see those start rolling out. People nice. getting excited. You've also shot those T. You were you were very impressed with how they perform. I, I was I was shocked at how well they shot. Uh, I mean, obviously, I am a bit biased there, but uh, I shot a twenty-two and a twenty-three Gen Four a week or so ago, and like they shot were right, but they were they were rorty. Um The the Gen Fives are they don't feel like you're shooting a forty. That extra slide mass, which some idiots are going to then like grind lightning holes in, uh, but that exercise mass makes it a genuinely pleasant gun to shoot. Uh, I've I, seen the video of Gaz shooting the, uh, the 22 looks fucking awesome. Uh, and I saw the group, the T shot with, uh, the 23 and the 22, right. Mm. Uh, and those were, those were seriously impressive. Yeah. I know they shoot. So, especially since they were shot on the clock. It wasn't just shooting groups, right? Yeah. I can like to like it. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, those are quite exciting, and those will should be available in the week that you hear this. Nice. It's a it's a service we offer here at uh, Welcome to Gun Show, um, mm-hmm. telling you, you about early it. release products. You heard it here first. T bag. Let's tell us about exactly. ZM. No, no. Uh, oh, and then uh, Zero Mike Bullets, uh, the website went live last weekend. So when you hear this, it'll be two weekends ago. Uh, and I believe we've now got the credit card thing working. So that's really, really exciting. So www.zmbullets.co.zar. Zar, Bri. Uh, Zar. Uh, Just one A, though. Yeah, not Zar. Just Zar, <laughs> Just Zar. And not Bri. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, don't put the brew in. You won't get the right web address. .co.za.bru. I'll, I'll, I'll put the address in the show notes yes. because everyone's going to get them wrong now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So come get your coated bullets on. Uh, I'm really excited about that. We've been, we've been, we'll hopefully have more and more colors rolling out uh, over the next couple of weeks. I've been, I've been playing with a couple of, couple of color options. Testing them, making sure that they do what we want them to do. Uh, yeah, that that one we saw this morning was uh, sexy, eh? Sexy. It's awesome. Nice. That is. Nice. Them are some good colours. 
so uh, yeah, we're very very excited about that. So uh, uh, CHS guns and Griffin Tactical should hopefully have some in stock by the time you listen to this. Um, if you need to go to a local, say hello Aziza and buy some bullets. Hello Jay and buy some bullets. Um, or you can obviously always get through the website. Awesome. And if you're going to order online, um, just reach out to me and then I'll give you a, a promo code. Send me a message, ask me some questions. I'll answer any questions you guys have on the ZM range. I'm glad you clarified that. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you some questions. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Context. Context. You have to limit the, uh, the, the questions that you will accept. Um, and then final thing before we get into the uh, show topic, um, we'd like to ask all the listeners to bow your heads for a moment of silence. It's a sad, sad time. We, we sadly mourn the loss of, uh, of Schalberter. Um, he tragically was lost last weekend, got his finger caught in a wedding ring. Mm. He will be missed at the shooting ranges that he will no longer be able to attend. I uh, just started shooting and, and, and now that's come to an end. So we hope, we hope he looks forward to his time antiquing and having brunch. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can hear it now. Our listeners are genuinely crying for the loss of Shaw. <laughs> because a lot of them can relate. And in about six months, Charles start telling married men jokes. <laughs> You'll understand that they're not jokes. Uh, but congrats, Charles. Well done, dude. Yeah. No, congrats. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, dude. Um, we hope to see you on the shooting range at least once in this decade. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we've antagonized 50% of our listener base, uh, <laughs> And Christian, the other 50% is feeling sorry for him. Uh. (laughs) Ah, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, luckily, like, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I think like 91% of our audience is male and only something like 6 or 7% listed their gender as female. So... The number that we've offended shouldn't be quite as high as fifty percent. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, and the, the other two percent, we don't judge. Well, I, I didn't say what they what they they were listed under. I just said that they did not list male or female. I'm thinking Apache has tech helicopter. I'm thinking that too. But oh. actually, we do judge, but we never kink shame <laughs> because that's. <laughs> Fact. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that we were supposed to actually discuss, uh, actually, well, I was supposed to mention. Um, if you get a chance and you want to listen to a podcast that sounds a bit like an American version of ours, um, but maybe less shit, uh, our buddy Jay Beal was on the latest episode of the Hit Factor podcast. Uh, check that out today. Really, really cool interview. Um, the third best interview with Jay that I've heard so far. <laughs> he's only been on our show twice. But, uh, yeah, no, really, definitely worth checking out. Go, go to listen to that. Follow Jay on the Grams and the Twitters and, I don't know, fucking 
Paul or what the fuck ever. Follow Jay where Jay is. I think Jay's on Instagram. Just yes. just don't please don't follow Jay in person. They're not like no, that's or anything, that we've seen the boys shoot. You're probably gonna oh. come off second best. So. <laughs> follow him virtually, no. not physically. Mm. Hi, Jay. And not too rigorously virtually either. <laughs> Once again, we may judge, but we don't kink shame. <laughs> So I haven't listened to that episode yet. I will probably listen to it tomorrow. And if I don't listen to it tomorrow, I will listen to it to and from Vector on Saturday. So I, I managed to actually listen to that episode today. And I can vouch with T that that was a really good episode. Really nice interview. And I've subscribed to that podcast. It actually seems like quite a nice podcast. Nice bunch of guys. Seem like, like quite good shooters, but um, not all sort of it sounds like a fun sort of bunch of guys but a nice chat to listen to awesome yeah so we'll give them a free shout out i'm certainly going to go listen to that um, yeah. so our three listeners might now completely stop <laughs> listening to this shit and <laughs> and go listen to that show instead yeah. well you're saying our three listeners you mean two listeners well so we have, don't listen anymore yeah we have christian and the dude from Vietnam. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Please reach out. Oh, and let's not forget Andy. Oh, no. <laughs> but I don't oh. think Andy's a regular listener. No, that's well, it. I don't true. know. He probably don't... is. Yeah, maybe. Andy probably listens to every show so that he can bitch about how fucking terrible it is. One star. Terrible. One star. Terrible. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever bothered to listen to this shit, I'd probably also give it one star. Mm. You've listened to some. I have. I have. But you haven't been able to figure out how to leave ratings. One star. But you don't know how to leave it. You know what the rating should be, but you don't know where to put it. <laughs> That's why we don't have more. <laughs> uh, cool stuff. I, I think that's that's everything on our admin side that we had to cover i think unless something else pops into anyone's head in which case ah, we can one last thing <laughs> shooting stuff have moved premises into a nice nicer shop now they've got more room they're going to have an indoor shooting range opening up soon i don't have the address on me but if you look for shooting stuff on facebook you'll find the address pop in have some coffee have a look at all the dylan equipment enjoy i didn't realize there was going to be a shooting range too yeah. awesome mm. It's happening. Do, do you think if we just like start mentioning people, like we can just send them an invoice? I think we should. Like, like this show is brought to you by like Me Undies. I think that's one of Rogan's sponsors, and you know, like Hornady. <laughs> <laughs> this, this show is brought to you by Hornady Ammunition. And we just send them an invoice and go, "Fuck, you got your airtime. Give me bullets." <laughs> you know what I think will happen with that is we'll mention this episode is sponsored by Hornet Ammunition. And next week we'll mention last week's show was not sponsored by <laughs> Hornady. <laughs> Please stop sending the uh, cease and desist letters. <laughs> I think we just throw like we just throw like you know like oh this this one was brought to you by Aimpoint. 
And then, like, just send them a bowl. This episode is brought to you by Space Force. Because <laughs> you know where it's really dark? <laughs> the other side of the moon. That's where you're going to need torches and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you better have them on you, because if you try and ask someone for someone for one in space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> uh, there's a black coffee joke in there. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh it's so weak. Oh, oh. No one can hear you scream. Anyway. <laughs> May need to start introducing like a dead joke of the week to the show. Uh, oh, that's this week's one. Sort it. <clears throat> so uh, we had a question and I'm going to pull up the guy's name so that I can mention him um, for the Q&A show uh, asking about low light and uh, weapon mounted light. Now, we didn't answer your question in a Q&A show because we were planning on doing a low light show. Anyway, so we figured that we would just roll that particular question into a full episode. Um, so I'm going to try and find his name. Yvonne, do you want to lead us in with uh, the darkness? You want me to sing the darkness song? That's yep. not going to be very entertaining. And that's a definite cease and desist letter. <laughs> That it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we thought we'd chat about this because sort of half the day is spent in the night. Um, I'm about to start singing a door song now, and uh, obviously, sort of statistically, more crime happens after the hours of darkness. Um, so we thought we would chat about it because there's a bit of there's there's some there's some interesting ideas there's uh, and it's kind of something we've we've hit on before that sometimes infantry tactics do not uh, translate to uh, self defense um, and yeah so we thought we'd have a little chat about uh, dealing with the dark um, in a defensive situation. Um, the biggest and most dangerous myth we ever come across is the dudes who are all about don't use lights, sneak around in the darkness and look for silhouettes. And, um, you know, my personal favorite, use the light of your muzzle flash to identify your sights. Uh, and then you can see who you're shooting. At. Um, and that's uh, problematic because we have a duty to, to positive positively identify a target and to ensure that we're not shooting people who don't need shooting. Um, and the, the, the consequences of that are, are, are pretty damn serious. So, you know, the rules of engagement are different for you and a bad guy. And, and this is what people don't realize. They have this idea that they're going to sneak around in the dark and no one's going to know where they are. A, you're probably not as sneaky as you think you are. And B, if I'm a bad guy and I think you're in that corner and I think you're a threat, what I can do is I can do some reconnaissance by firepower and shoot some bullets to where I thought you were. Uh, and you can't do that um, because that shape in the darkness that you're shooting at could be one of your kids, could be your wife, husband, neighbor, um, could be an actual criminal who wasn't a threat. Uh, you know, it, it, it could be a car thief. Um, it could be a car radio thief. And while that's really annoying, 
you can't kill people for stealing car radios. Uh, it's it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more than a car radio, even if you, if you do somehow manage to get off. Um, and you're going to have to live with the fact that, that you murdered someone over a couple of, you killed someone over a couple of grand. So we have a, we have a, a duty to be able to positively identify any target we're, we're firing shots at. You know, the, the four rules um, of, of, of sort of firearm safety don't disappear because you thought you heard a noise in your house at night. Uh, they, they remain. The consequences just got much more serious, though. Um, you know, you shoot a no-shoot in a match, it's 10 points or five seconds. Um, you kind of break the 90 in the match, you might get DQ'd. You put a round in, in your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife's head uh, that's a, a much bigger problem that you're going to have to deal with forever. Um, and if you did it because you're a fucking idiot and we're shooting at shapes in the dark, uh, that's even more problematic. Yep. So uh, I think let's let's pick up with something I said in last week's episode. Um, Mike's in the for reals game go on a score sheet. They go on that thing that the police officer has called a charge sheet um, where you are responsible for everything you sent and where it landed. Um, and as T said, not everything that is a criminal needs to be shot. And conversely, not everything that goes bump in the night is a criminal. Um, sometimes it's, it's a loved one. Sometimes it's a pet. Sometimes it's just the wind blowing. Um, you send rounds. You're living in a in a in a sort of urban neighborhood. You send rounds to where the tree is blowing, and you kill your neighbor three houses down the road by shooting over your wall. Um, you might not know until tomorrow morning what you've done, but boy, are you going to be very aware of that for the rest of your life. Um, and the odds of getting off on that is super diminishing, shall we say? Um, yes, sir. It's not. Sorry, T. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I didn't realize you were here. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. There's a, a case Claude Wynn has um, sort of referenced a couple of times as a, as a pretty serious negative outcome. Um, it was in the States, I can't remember where off the top of my head. Uh, dude hears a noise in his garage at night. Um, as far as I recall, there had been some stuff starting out of garages, grabs the handy blaster, runs into the darkness doesn't have a light, doesn't turn on the lights or anything because sticky, sticky darkness, um, sees the shadow of a figure in his garage, screams, get down, whatever. Figure doesn't listen, fires, hits, kills. It was an Alzheimer's patient in his 70s who'd uh, gone, taken his dog for a walk and he'd gotten um, confused and disorientated and he'd ended up in the wrong garage. And then some person started screaming at him that he was going to shoot him and he didn't know what to do and he died. Um, and while the dude got off with it, as I recall, um, for the rest of his life, he's going to have to live with the consequences of killing someone unnecessarily. Uh, you know, if, if, if you have to kill someone because it was them or you um, and, you know, you, you our goal is not to kill people, but it can happen. You know, we, we're trying to stop him, but the fact is 
um, the, the means to stop people effectively can be fatal. Um, if it's because that person was trying to kill you, um, that's one thing. If it's because that person didn't know what you were doing, that's another thing. That problem, that like severe negative outcome could very easily have been solved um, either by the application of a torch or the application of one of the most high tech. Okay, I'm going to let you all in on a secret now. There's a very, very high tech piece of night fighting equipment that most of you have access to. Um, if you're in South Africa, it's not always that reliable, but you generally have access to it. <laughs> and you'll find it at the entrance of most rooms that you walk into. It's at about, for me, it's about elbow height. For some of you, it'll be closer to shoulder height. It's normally, I don't know, about six inches away from a door. There'll be a, a rectangular metal box with one or more switches on it. Press the switch. Are you ready for this? Massive amounts of light come from nowhere. And then as an animal with shitty night vision, you can see what's in that room. And in that case, had that dude used that super tactical piece of equipment and turned on the light, he would have seen that it was not a hardened gangbanger there to rape him and steal his dog. It was a poor, confused old man. and that could have almost as close to definitely as we can as we can say prevented that situation had he have had some illumination. I want to jump in here for one moment. Um, the first thing is light doesn't come out of nowhere. Light come from the magic pixies that dance in copper wire. Could we um, ask His Excellency, the President of the Republic of South Africa? to feed the fucking pixies so that they work all the time. There's another one, which I think is even more brilliant. Apparently, electronics run on magic smoke. Uh, because once they, once they let the magic smoke out, <laughs> and you have they that smell work. in the air, they don't work again. <laughs> they run on magic smoke. Anyway, <laughs> moving along from that topic, um, just, just on the... Illumination would definitely have helped in that that particular circumstance. But I was listening to an old uh, primary and secondary modcast, uh, like 2015, 2016 odd. Uh, DB was on there. Uh, Bill Blouse was on there. Uh, I'm not quite sure who else was on there. But they were they were talking about uh, sort of police training and and what they've found to be valuable training. And guys are talking about firearms. And guys are talking about fingerprinting and investigative stuff and uh i think it was db who who went and said that uh the most important skill that he ever learned was communication uh as as a police officer and he, he that that has broad application not just to law enforcement and what he said which was quite profound which i mean it makes perfect sense but we don't always think of it that way you could be in contact with someone who is deaf speaks a different language is confused, is high, is an Alzheimer's patient, uh, has entered uh, freeze from fight, flight, freeze because of you you pointing a gun at them. Um, And he said that uh, we shouldn't be communicating in those instances in the way that we're used to communicating. You can't talk to everyone the way that you would talk to your friends or the way you would expect people to talk to you. Whatever you do, you need to communicate in a way 
that you cannot be misunderstood. Not you cannot be understood, you cannot be misunderstood. And you need to do whatever is in your power to make that happen. Whether it is repeating things several times, using hand gestures, um, stringing together sentences from other languages that you may know and that, that could be applicable, um, sort of body language, etc., cetera, uh, in order to not escalate situations and in order to not be a threat to people that you shouldn't be a threat to. And that has real, I mean, he couldn't see the, the, the poor man in this, the story. Um, but let's say he did turn the light on and this guy was still frozen. The correct response there isn't still to shoot them. Um, the correct response there is they're not a threat to me right this second. They're standing absolutely still. Let's try and get some form of communication happening. Important thing to learn. Um, this whole, I'm going to shoot into the darkness without making a sound. Um, one, you're shooting at things that you haven't identified. And two, whatever is there may not be a threat and may actually cease what they're doing. Should you say, hey, what's you doing? Stop that. Shine a bright torch on them. Sorry, yeah. side, side trip, but... No, no. And, 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 and a really valuable point. I, I think it's people, people forget that, like, if you haven't had a gun pointed at you, um, the first time it happens, it, it can be somewhat stressful. So, you know, sometimes when people get guns pointed at them, they don't necessarily make a, a witty one-liner like it's a, a 1980s detective show. Um, sometimes they stand there with a mouth full of teeth going, fuck, 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 because they're looking at a barrel that looks about the size of, you know, a 55-gallon drum. Um, so we need, to be, we, we need to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful of the negative outcomes of, of things that we do um, or, or actions we could take. So we also need to understand, sort of leading into this, just because it's the hours of darkness or, or, or dark doesn't mean it will necessarily be that dark. Uh, you know, uh, load shedding aside, there's a lot of places you will find yourself in at night where there is sufficient light to see what's going on. Um, so we need to be we need to be mindful of that. But we it's very useful if you can bring your own light source when that isn't an option. Uh, and and I think that's that's something we need to discuss. I, to my mind, the most useful light source you can have is a handheld, uh, a handheld torch, because you will probably use that more than any other part of your cool guy EDC kit that you stick up on the grams. Um, you know, you you will, if all goes well, never skin that smoke wagon and 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 shoot your pistol. Um, anywhere except on the range, you'll probably never have to, you know, do a sentry removal with your cool tactical folder. Uh, hopefully, you'll never have to tourniquet anyone. Um, there's a whole lot of shit there that, that if you do have to use, it's a really, really bad day. Um, your torch, you probably find yourself using it on the rig. Uh, you know, dropped your keys. Where did I drop them? Uh, drop, you know, drop something in the car trying to find something in the office in, in a little bit of funny light in a, in the middle of a, a building when load shedding hits and everything goes completely black because there's no windows, all of a sudden some sort of light is really useful. And I don't really want to use my cell phone light, A, because it's not a great light, and B, because I'm sucking power from the thing that's my communication if anything goes wrong. Uh, 
And jokes aside, modern smartphone batteries, it's not a Nokia 3310. That thing's not going to run for 47 years with the light going. Um, you, you're going to suck power out of it. And, and <laughs> fucking smartphones are a bit like 1911s. You know, they, 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 they're either charging or need to be charged. Uh, <laughs> so have a light switch. You know, it's, there's all sorts of little keychain lights and that sort of thing, but a, a, a decent handheld torch is a really useful thing if you do find yourself in a situation where you need to identify something in the dark. Um, and, you know, in those conditions where we discussed where you can identify a, a, a direct threat. So, you know, someone comes out and, and is attacking you, you're probably going to be able to identify them. But in those lights, you, you know, those sort of conditions. And, and what I'm talking about here is the parking lot of your local supermarket, your local spa or pick and pay checkers or whatever, where you stop off on your way home from work because you need to get bread or milk or whatever. Um, that parking lot at, at seven, half past seven at night um, or, or later in sort of not uh, um, curfew times is going to have some, some shadows. It's going to have some blind spots. So while I can walk out of the shop and I can see straight to my car and all of that, I can't see in the shadow here. I can't see what's under my car. Uh, and, and the handheld is useful there as well because you can walk around with that in your hand and no one thinks anything of it. If you walk around with a pistol or a knife in your hand, um, you're probably going to have some issues and you probably have some issues. Um, if you're walking around with your torch in your hand, at the very least, someone thinks you're a little bit of a uh, But it does mean that if you can't see what's going on, you, 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 can, you can shine a light in it. The other nice thing with it is if you're not too sure what this dude hanging around is, if you hit him in the, in, the, in the eyes with a really bright light, you're a dick, but you haven't assaulted him. Um, you know, you, you, you can, the, the dude walks up to you and you turn around and wang him in the, lights with a thousand, in the eyes with a thousand lumens. Um, you, you may dazzle him. Uh, you, may, uh, you, you may like really piss him off, but you haven't done anything aggressive to him. Uh, so if it was just a case of, of the car guard who was sort of approaching you or the beggar in the parking lot, um, well, you know, no, no harm, no foul. Uh, if it was someone contemplating some sort of criminal action, there, there's a strong possibility that they're going to go look for an easier target uh, because you're not looking like food. Uh, you know, you're not staring at your cell phone, pressing buttons, updating your, your the grams while you get to your car, you've got, oh, shit, sorry, buddy, you didn't mean to shine my light in your eyes, but you've seen exactly what he's about. You've seen if he's got it or, or she's got anything in their hands or anything like that. And in that sort of darkness, if you've wanged them in the, in the, in the eyes with a really bright light, you've made it really difficult for them to see. Um, so you can hit them in the light and then move slightly, and now they've got to orientate to where you are. Uh, and And... If it was a beggar or something, they're going to, once again, they're going to think you're a dick, uh, but they're probably going to leave you alone. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, T-Bag. Um, so T did end up mentioning why you don't want to use your cell phone as your light source, other than the battery issue. Um, there's two other things. One, phones are a distraction. If you're walking with the phone as your source of light, you're almost guaranteed, because pretty much everyone does this, to also have the screen on and be checking Facebook or Instagram or messages or emails or something. You're almost 
guaranteed to distract yourself, even if it is just momentarily, if you have the phone in your hand. Um, I sometimes do have my phone in my hand. We all do. Uh, but I try to not be in public with a phone in my hand. Um, I try. doesn't always work, but I try. Um, the other reason is uh, if you are in an area where sort of opportunistic crime is happening, um, so not necessarily violent crime, but opportunistic crime, if you're walking out with your cell phone in your hand, well, you've just baked the radar because it's really easy to snag it out of your hand. It's kind of difficult getting it out of your pockets. Yeah. Um, not impossible, but it's kind of difficult. They're going to have to work for that. Grabbing it out of your hands while they just run past and take off with it is pretty damn easy. Happens all over the country every single day. Um, so you're buy a flashlight, even if it is just a cheapie, um, to avoid the distraction, save some power on a device that you may need to call for emergency services and to not make yourself a, an appetizing meal for the evening. Yeah, and to, I'm glad that you said it's difficult to get out of a pocket because the time that it takes for me personally to deploy my phone's torch, which, is, which isn't great, like we've said, is probably two to three times longer than what it takes for me to deploy my handheld torch that's on, on my person. Okay. I've got more lumens. I'm not making myself a target. The handheld is, is an incredibly useful tool. You're going to use it probably every day once you start carrying one every day. Yep. Uh, you know, as I get older and, and I really do need to get glasses, um, there are many times where uh, the uh, Surefire in my pocket becomes a handy replacement for magnified lenses in front of my eyes um, if I can't read something 100%. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Corn makes a good point. You know, like walking around the, the shopping center close to me where, where, where I'm most likely to stop and buy uh, bread and milk, which is in a nice area. It's a very nice center has had quite a serious increase in those sort of crimes of late. Not violent crime, but dude, I mean, people have been on their phones and had a dude run past them and grab their phone off their ear, uh, not once, not twice, multiple times. Um, people have been sending a text and a dude just walks past and you think about the shape of your phone. It's not, a, it, it's not, a, it's not designed for you to hang on to. It's not a great thing for... And we're generally so worried about breaking them. We, it's not something that we crush down on. Um, whereas a, a torch in your hand, it, it's less inviting. Um, it's harder to take away. And this is going to sound weird. Um, people react in a peculiar way to someone with a torch. Um, a lot of times people think the person with a torch must be in charge of something um, or, or must be some. There must be something official because why else would you have a torch? Um, yeah. So it, it sends a very diff, a, a different message. I've, I've known people who've been in sort of emergency situations where um, lights have gone out. They've pulled out a torch and started having a look. And all of a sudden, people around them are kind of going, okay, what do we do? Because you must be in charge because you, you've got the light. So with, with regards to the light itself, um, some thoughts. There's, a, there's, there's numerous brands around. Uh, generally, within reason, you're going to get what you pay for. I want as simple a switching system as I can get. The absolute last thing I want on sort of a defensive torch is that I have to go through 15 different freaking modes every time I go through the light to have the brightness that I want. So I, I, I like torches where... I hit the button and I have all the brightness 
And then it is nice to have a secondary thing where I have to do something secondary to have less brightness. Uh, so on a, the torches I use most often, on the Surefire Tactician, you turn the head and that drops it from the 800 lumen to the 1500 lumen setting. Um, the EDC2 is really cool because if you push that all the way through, you know, if you press the button halfway, you get like a little task light. And if you wang it all the way through, you get bright light. Whatever system you've got, the, the stream lights, which are really good value, generally with their 10 tap, I think it's called system, you can set that to have on and off. Um, and if it's a light I'm going to be using as a defensive light, it's the light I'm going to be using to check under the car, have in my hand so that, as I say, if someone approaches me, I can I can get that distraction. And, and it might be, literally, it might be a case of dude is a threat who, who you're going to need to shoot. You wang him in the lights, in, 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 in the eyes with the light. A, you, you, you're going to be able to see that he's a threat. And B, there is going to be a physiological reaction to that light in his eyes. Um, you know, it, his his pupils, if they're they're all dilated because it's dark, are now going to you know be be wang with all this sort of light. It might buy you a second or two. It might buy you half a second. But it is it's very unlikely that there's going to be absolutely no reaction. Uh, and as we've discussed in previous shows, that half a second might be the what what allows you to start now getting into Zoodoop and 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 defending yourself so i don't want to go i'm going to hit this guy in the in 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 the face with all the lumens and all the candelas and my torch has now decided for me that it wants to be on the seven lumen setting and it gives him a lovely warm glow uh and all all it really does is shows him that my light's on uh so if if i'm going to have a task light i either want a separate task light you know like a little key ring light where i press a button and i can find shit uh, or if it's on my main light, I, I want it to be an additional, I need, I need to have a step that takes me to the, the dull setting. Um, the default for me must be the brightest, the most lumens and candela I can get out the front of that thing. Um, so I'll, I'll hop in there a little bit more. Sorry, T-Bag. Um, on your actual lights that you carry, Make sure that they have physical buttons. That seems a little bit weird to people. Um, physical buttons, because you're going to go, oh, all buttons are physical. Well, not all are. Um, some buttons have um, sort of uh, resistor features. So the act of sort of creating a circuit between the body and the switch with your finger touching it creates the circuit, which turns it on and off. It's exactly the same sort of stuff that your uh, your phone uses. Well, your phone uses passive size, but... Your phone uses the exact same sort of technologies. And if you've ever had to work on a uh, smartphone with a touchscreen with wet hands, you'll know that they don't work. Um, you either end up touching st- things that you, you're not anywhere near because the water's creating a, a, a circuit, um, or it doesn't work at all. If you've got a fancy light with weird buttons like that, if you have to use it in the rain, you may have some issues. If you have to use it when your hands are bloody, you're probably going to have some issues. Um, I like big physical buttons. Um, there's one they're really easy to, to hit. I prefer mine on the back of the torch because they're easy to find too. It's not sort of orientation specific. Um, but big buttons are less likely to cause shit if you drop your torch. 
So you're outside, you trip, you stumble, you drop your torch into a puddle of mud, you dig it out, the big physical button's still going to work. These small little push button switchy thing that you have on some of these lights are going to get some grit in there and they're not going to work. You're either going to be unable to turn the light off or you're going to be unable to turn the light on, which is far worse. Um, you won't be able to cycle through all the stupid modes that some of these torches have. Um, features that require a, um, a conscious input from you in order to make the light work are also bad. And T touched on these briefly with you want the light to go to brightest immediately. If you have to go, I have to half press the button and then double tap it really rapidly in order to get into a mode. Um, if you're under any form of stress and it doesn't have to be sort of stress from violence, any sort of stress, oh, I've dropped my keys. Oh, I've lost my phone. Uh, oh, I've just tripped over something. What was that? Uh, you're not going to be able to perform those actions automatically. You may still be able to perform them because the human mind is incredible, but it's, it's not as going to be as easy. It's going to require more input from you than just banging a big physical button. Sorry, T. No, no, excellent point. Really, really good point. Um, it's just a, one of the biggest myths we come across is, and, and this still doesn't seem to be dying a death, that if your torch is too bright, it will blind you. Oh, terrible. I've, I've had a, a fair amount of thousand lumen light uh, plus lights shone directly in my eyes, generally by me, because I'm not a clever man. Um, and I can still see, uh, because it doesn't blind you, it dazzles you. Um, but that, that thinking can often lead you in a situation where you're not able to, to necessarily get all the information. Um, you know, it's my, my first ever sort of cool guy torch was an, was an old Surefire. I think it was post-laser products, but it was a Surefire 6P. And I think that was 60 lumens um, of incandescent fire. And this was mind-blowingly bright. Like, fuck me, this thing was just amazing that it could throw 60 lumens out the front of it. It was unimaginable. Um, and then my next light, I was very kindly given uh, another 6P that had a Malkov head on it. And that was 200 lumens. And that was, you know, like... I'd traded in my scooter and gotten a Bugatti. Uh, you stop wearing a, stop carrying a gun then, right? Because like, I knew the light of them I, would melt the. I had 200 lumens. It was a fucking lightsaber. Um, you know, like they, I was instantly sort of inducted into, into the ranks of the Sith and uh, Team Empire. Um, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> Now we're in a situation where a thousand and, 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 and brighter, <coughs> pardon me, thousand lumen and, and bright lights are a, are a, a relatively common thing. Um, and we're still not blind. Uh, so there's a couple of things we need to, to, to be aware of that. One, the brighter your light, um, this is going to sound really weird, the more light it throws out and the more darkness it pushes out the way. Um, so if you're looking in a dark corner, the brighter light does a better job of cutting through that um, that dark and giving you more illumination, uh, which is a good thing because it makes it easier for you to find things that you need to shoot or not shoot. Um, if you can't see them because your pretty little light that won't blind you uh, 
doesn't um, doesn't do, doesn't illuminate that darkness, it hasn't done you any good. Uh, the brighter light also is better at, at pushing through barriers. So if you're in a situation where it's not complete darkness, and this is where a lot of guys also kind of get a bit stupid because they they play around with their torches in complete darkness. We go into an, a, 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 a room, we switch off all the lights, it's completely dark, we switch on our light and we go, ooh, wow, we look at this. That's a very rare situation to find yourself in under any sort of duress because how if you're both in complete darkness, how is the bad guy finding you? Uh, you know, you can go hide in a corner. You can walk around around each other. <laughs> so you're you're a, you're substantially more likely to be in 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 sort of a situation of variable light, where there is some light and there is. So you're leaving the office late at night, and the parking lot's got lights, but there's dark spots because they always are. Um, or you know the the lights are gone out or whatever. What that brighter light's going to do is, if you're now shining past the spotlight outside into a corner, it's better able to penetrate um, and and for you to, and not stop, basically stop. I, I know that's not scientifically correct, but not stop on that light and not be able to punch through it. The brighter light is going to do a better job of punching through that so that you can find what's there. Um, is and with with regards to the shining it on a white wall. A, there's some technique things we can do to avoid dazzling ourselves. The other thing, and this is going to sound silly, but it's that same sort of barrier thing. If you take a 200 lumen light and shine it in a mirror in your face, it's going to dazzle you. If you take a 1,000 lumen light and shine it in the mirror in your face, it's going to dazzle you. If you then take those same dazzled eyes and look in a dark room and push the button on the 200 lumen light, you're going to see dick. If you take the 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 dazzled eyes go into the dark room and press the button on the thousand lumen light you're going to have visual information uh so while they'll both dazzle you the one is going to help you overcome that even more uh and we are a visual predator that's why our eyes are on the front of our head um as animals go our hearing is kind of terrible and if you're a shooter it's probably even worse uh, we don't have a great sense of smell we don't have like sort of Equipment-wise, our senses are a bit weak. Our vision is our strongest thing. It's not great in the dark. Um, so we need light so that we can see what's happening in the dark. Uh, and shooting, if, if it gets to a shooting situation, shooting is a visual thing. Um, being able to shoot that gun effectively requires visual input. So if you can't see what you're doing, you're not going to be able to bring that cool guy gun into action. Listen to last week's episode for some context on that. Mm. Some really uh, eye-opening context on that. Um, <laughs> so, so the 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 photonic barrier thing. Um, I I don't particularly like that term, even though it's technically correct, um, because it sounds complicated. But what you do to test this is find a place at night where you are safe. So don't go do stupid shit. Find a place at night where you are safe. Park your car facing in some direction. Turn the headlights on. It's quite hard to park your car not facing in a direction. Well, I've it's seen so. guys do it. I've I've personally done it. So you <laughs> park them on the roof or on the bonnet or on the anyway. So park your car 
facing in, in some direction, turn the lights on, turn the brights on, get out the car, go stand next to the lights. Okay. So stand a meter or two back, but stand next to the lights and try and see something on the other side of your car. So, so further away from it, where you have that, that layer of light. So you have a massively bright layer of light from your car's brights, whatever they're called, head, head beams, whatever. Right. So it we're in starts. South Africa. Everyone else yeah, will figure that out if they're not here. Um, you have I, I a, don't know what they call them in Vietnam. Yeah, I don't know either. But if you email us, we'll be sure to mention the next show. <laughs> um, try and see stuff on the other side of that light source. Um, so, so the light source between you and whatever you want to see. Try and see it without a light. Then try and see it with a dim light. And then bang it with a great big bright light. And see which one's better. Um, the bright light's going to be better, spoiler alert. But if you go try that, you'll realize that, that that's important. Now, your three or four, 500 lumen light might be able to do that when you're, you're, you're not in the car's headlights. And the thing that you're trying to look at is not in the car head, car's headlights, but it's on the opposite side of the car. Um, where bright lights really matter is you stand in front of your car with the, the bright light shining on you. And try and look at something in the darkness behind your car. Um, you're going to find out that sort of 60 lumens, 120 lumens, 200 lumens, whatever you guys are using now to not dazzle themselves, is not going to do anything. You um, won't be able to see. Um, you, need, you need bright light to, to fix that. Um, not everyone's going to have access to, to lights quite as bright as the ones that I tend to carry. And I think T tends to carry and gas tends to carry. Uh, I say access because they're, they're a little bit more expensive. Um, but you need to try and get as, ma- as many lumens as you can for the budget that you can realistically do. And I would be, I would say, try and stretch your budget, like reach, reach slightly beyond what you think you can do uh, to, to get a, a worthwhile light. Um, and, and if you give up a lot of the stupid features, you can get a better quality light. Um, yep. And jokes is like the, the, the streamlight lights are really good value for money. Streamlight have come a long way. They make a solid light uh, for a reasonable amount of money. You know, I'd, I'd love a cloud defense or something, but I'm too poor for those. Uh, or a mod this light. So cool. I want a mod light so badly. <clears throat> this show is brought to you by Mod Light. Uh, <laughs> Um, so strictly speaking, Corn, um, yo. when you're standing in front of your car's headlights and you shine your 200 lumen light at it so that you don't blind yourself, you're strictly speaking still blinding yourself. Just thought yes. I'd point that out. Yes. Yeah. It's your car doing the work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you can't even overcome it because you have this little piddly light that does nothing. Exactly. The, the, the other thing guys don't realize with that whole oh, I'm going to blind myself thing is if I try an umbrella light with my, my old 60 lumen um, laser product 6P, uh, where, where I shine the light up to, to illuminate a room, it doesn't do a very good job. Uh, if I take a 200 lumen light and try and do that, it doesn't do a really good job. So I'm more likely to now be shining the light directly into the unknown and hitting that mirror or that, that white wall. <coughs> Pardon me. If I take a big thousand lumen, you know, if I take the surefire fairy that I've, I've got next to the bed and I shine that on the, on the roof, the, roo- the room looks like I switched the lights on. Yep. So I have less urge 
to kind of poke that around the unknown um, because it's giving me the information I need. And then should there be a barrier or should there be someone there, I can immediately hit them with the, the, the full intensity of that line. So and the something else is that as well is that because you're using more lumens and you're lighting up the whole room, you don't have that. You know, we've seen it with certain torches where the, the, the light beam, if we want to call it like that, is fairly straightforward. It's almost like it's a laser. You don't get that decent cone of light. You get like a tunnel vision. Whereas if you run with that technique and you've got enough lumens that you can umbrella light off the ceiling or something like that, it now opens up your peripheral vision as well. So you've got more to work with instead of just having that like tunnel vision. Exactly. What, what we also need to remember is lumens has become the watchword, but in a lot of ways, candela is, is even more important. Um, and candela is kind of the, the density of the light for want of a, probably a terrible description. Um, but so, you can have so a. I, I can simplify that for you. Yes, you're, you're like a camera dude, fucking nerd. L- lumens, <laughs> lumens is effectively the the absolute output of the light, so the volume of light that comes out of it. Okay, so think of old light bulbs. When you had a hundred watt light bulb, it was more bright than a sixty watt. Lumens is the equivalent thing of that. Candelas, which is the correct term. Is candelas per square? No, no, no. It's the correct term. You're absolutely right. It's candelas per square meter. It's literally the volume of light that that is contained inside the arc that your your light throws. Um, Lumens has this thing, and and all light has this, where it rapidly falls off. So it's it's the inverse square law. Um, So what it means is your light is for every meter, you lose half the light. So at, at one meter, your light is half as bright as it was at the lens. At two meters, it's a quarter of the brightness it was. Um, candela is, is essentially the focusing of that beam. So you get more light at slightly greater distance. It helps it spill into corners and that sort of stuff. Sorry, you back. No, no, excellent. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that I wasn't describing it particularly well. So, you know, you, you could have a super floody light, but that's not going to give you great distance is not going to give you great penetration. You could have, you know, whereas a, a more spot sort of light um, can can kind of give you uh, a little bit more spread if you bounce it off of things. So you may be listening to this and going, well, so the answer is obviously that I'm just going to stick a weapon-mounted light on my gun and then I can, I can have all of this sort of cool guy stuff. And the problem with that is, is twofold. One, that's a ball lake to carry. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a very nice holster for a, for a gun with a weapon in the light. It's not something I want to wear for 18 hours a day. It's not something I want to put on and drive to Cape Town. Uh, I know there are people who do it, but some of them are a little bit more into pain and, and being tied up than I am. And once again, we don't kink shame on the show. Uh, so there's, and, and that's a reality. If you're, if, you know, if, if you have a real job uh, and you're sitting there squirming in a meeting because your nut is getting squished by your giant holster, um, <laughs> people are going to wonder what's wrong with you. There is a uh, reason my holster isn't on me right now. <laughs> thank you. Uh, the other thing is you can't pull out your gun to find your keys under your car. That example I used earlier of dude who walks up to you and goes, uh, you know, or, 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 or is giving you like a bit of a, 
a concerning sort of feel that we can wang the light in his face. Um, if I do that with my handheld, I'm a dick. If I do that with my pistol mounted, you know, if I pull out my pistol and I wang him in the face with my U-boat, now shit's gotten really serious when it was just the dude walking to the car next to me. Um, it escalated. So, yeah, you know, to me, I'll be honest, I don't carry a weapon mounted light. Um, I think it's a pain in the ass. Uh, I, I carry a handheld pretty much everywhere I go. I like a weapon mounted light in the house. Um, because I might have to move family members around or, or something like that, um, and because I'm not carrying the gun when I sleep. I know, I know I'm not tactical enough that I don't have an enigma right under my sleep shorts, but it's one of those things. Um, but I've also got handhelds everywhere. Uh, obviously, I'm scared of the dark. So in that situation, I think a weapon mounted light is really useful. If I was a SWAT cop, if I was in law enforcement, I think a weapon mounted light would be really useful. If I'm going to be shooting the gun, a weapon mounted light is a lot better than any handheld technique in the world. Um, but the the reality of trying to lug that around um, and have a slower draw, have a gun that's harder to reholster, there's a whole lot of downsides to, to lugging that thing around. Um, that I, I don't personally think the juice is worth the squeeze. If you want to do that, rock on with your bad self, make sure you know what you're doing. But none of that replaces the handheld. Um, none of that is going to replace the handheld. So me, I choose to carry the handheld. I, I can train to, to deploy that with my pistol. Um, and we can discuss that a little bit in a little bit more detail just now. But I'm not going, if I, if I can only have one, it's going to be the handheld. Uh, you know, in, in my house, I can also, it's easier to umbrella lights in my house. I can walk around with a pistol in my hand and, and not have a handheld and, and, and use that to, to bounce lights off of things. I can't do that in a parking lot. Um, you know, if I've got a gun in my hand in a parking lot or in the, in the mall when the lights went out, there's going to be a problem. Um, and now what ends up happening, we pull out the iPhone and press that button as opposed to, to having access to the, the light. So as I said, if you want to carry a weapon-mounted light, rock on with your bad self. I honestly think the number of people who carry a pistol with a weapon-mounted light um, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, is substantially fewer than, than Instagram and Facebook would have you believe. Uh, I sorry. think a lot of, yeah, Aaron, sorry. Sorry, T-Bag. Sorry to interrupt. I can hop in there for a moment. I've been carrying a gun that's not light in a weapon mounted light holster with an X300 on it for about a week and a half or something now. Um, just around the house. I haven't really been out, um, but, but really carrying it. So the holster is, is attached to my body and I've been walking around with this thing and I've been carrying it sort of, I don't know, 12, 15 hours a day. Um, it is not enjoyable. Um, I cannot see a good reason why anyone who is concealed carrying should go through the additional difficulty in carrying their firearm in order to have a weapon-mounted light. Um, there are rare instances where weapon-mounted lights are super useful outside of the house. Um, I'm, not, I'm not against weapon-mounted lights. I, I think they're really cool, and I think they have their place. Um, but I don't think they're a good fit for EDC as a as a general sort of sort of thing. Um, it adds a hell of a lot of weight to the firearm. I 
a lot, a lot. Um, even in the Fulster floodlight, it makes my draw a bit slower than it would be out of a, a non sort of weapon light ready ulcer. Um, the weight is the, is the real killer. Um, it's no fun. You're going to end up with, with lower back pain. You don't already have it. You're going to have some, um, if you do already have it, you're definitely going to make it worse. Um, so yeah, weapon mounted lights, really cool. Um, I like having a weapon mounted light, uh, on a gun in the house. Um, when I know there's going to be load shedding, they're, they're super valuable for, for that role. Um, but I wouldn't commit to carrying one for any extended period of time at all. So I agree with both of you guys with weapon mounted lights. Um, it's not something that I'm going to carry. Um, unfortunately I don't have a budget that I can have a super nice one. Um, even though I'd really like one, what I see with weapon mounted lights and from my perspective, not being a super SWAT hero or anything like that is the weapon mounted lights not going to offer me the versatility that a handheld can. And number two, the, the second thing that I learned fairly quickly with it, because I've had the opportunity to shoot one or two night shoots or, or low light shoots, shall we say, deploying the weapon mounted light, if you don't practice with it and learn the correct techniques and that can seriously hinder your ability to manipulate the firearm should you need to. Um, and I, I would like to hear a little bit of feedback from what T and Korn have to say on it. And I think T's got quite a bit of low light experience uh, compared to us, Korn. Uh, yeah. That's something I think a lot of people overlook. You know, you, you throw on the weapon mounted light and all of a sudden your gun's a laser, it's got a torch on it, and you become invincible until you realize that it's, it's a little bit more technical than that. And I've seen quite a few guys, myself included, at my first night shoot, miss using the weapon mounted light badly, lights falling off of guns, guys switching the lights off by mistake, switching them on by mistake, et cetera, et cetera. It adds a level of complication that I think most people tend to overlook. Mm. I think that's a good point. Light light ADs are, are a thing, guys, as you say, like shitty lights that fall off. Um, guys don't train with them because it's it's a mission. So they, they think it's this panacea. Uh, you know, on, on, on the gear side of things, if I was going to carry a weapon-mounted light from a, from, from a concealed carry point of view, I'm probably going to contradict a lot of people, some very clever people. I would rather be carrying something smaller and dimmer like a TLR7 and a, or, a, or an XE1. Um, even though you're giving up a fair amount of light, I think that's that's adequate for a concealed carry gun um, as opposed mm. to, once again, it's mission drives a gear train. Um, if we look at, there's no sort of, there's not a huge amount of statistics or anything, you know, a lot of statistics that people throw around are made up. If we look at Tom Givens' students shooting, none of them have been in dark enough situations, jokes aside, that they've even needed a handheld, never mind a weapon. Uh, the handheld, I think, could be really useful, and, and, and we've discussed why I think that's, that, that's a thing. But now to add the complication of a weapon-mounted light on a carry gun, I think it's a ball day. Um, and it does mean that in my house, I'd much rather have the great big U-boat or, or a TLL, a TLL one HL or whatever, than that little light that that would be easier to CCW or concealed carry. So, I think that's that's something we need to be aware of. Um, correctly used, a light can 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 let you do some magic things. Um, you can 
you can kind of make yourself disappear a little bit. Uh, I think uh, I think I, I may have fucked around with a little bit, a little bit of that last night shoot we did. Um, if you if you use that like correctly, it it it's a tool in and of itself. Um, so there's a couple of things we need to kind of consider there. I don't want strobe lights or any shit like that. Uh, I, I know people who I respect greatly who can do amazing things with a strobe light. Uh, for me, I see a strobe light, I want to start dancing, and I think I'm 19 years old again. Um, what I can't do is I can't fucking see see my gun, and I can't see people moving properly in that. Um, I don't. I'm not a big fan of a lot of the super complicated light techniques guys try and come up with. Um, you know, guys want to do this weird shit where I have the torch and I use some sort of grip to force the torch into my other hand so I can get as close to a weapon mounted light as possible. And what you often see with that is it doesn't fucking work, um, especially it, like if we just get the pressure of the timer out and all of a sudden the dude's kind of standing there wanking with two hands because he can't get the light to work. Um, other things that happen with that is guys try and line that up and they smash a trigger or the back of a torch into a trigger guard um, and, and set up around it accidentally. They smash the back of a torch into a mag release and drop the mag out of their gun. They cause malfunctions because they're not used to it. So I, I kind of, as a general rule, I do one of two things with a pistol with, with a light. I'm either running it in sort of a temple index or I'm running a, a like a modified Harry's. Um, those are the the kind of two ways that I'm going to run a light. Uh, because it's kind of some, it's relatively simple. Um, my one-handed shooting's all right. That I can, I'm, I'm happy to rather just take the shot one-handed than one and a half-handed. I don't, I personally don't find the benefit of of these one and a half-handed techniques is worth it. And they're so slow to set up that I'm probably not going to be able to to, to use it before I need my gun. Um, and as I say, if 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 you use the light correctly, you can be here. You can disappear, and then you can be somewhere else, uh, and 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 it can be quite difficult to. It, and I mean, I've, I've done it in matches a couple of times where guys know where you're going to go, and they still don't quite know where you are. Um, that said, I'm also not a big fan of 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 what used to be a really popular sort of way of doing this, where we would hit the light, illuminate the bad guy, then turn the light off and move, because now I've got to find him again. Um, as I said earlier, if I'm in my house, if I can turn on lights, that's going to be my low light technique uh, because that's going to give me more information. If I'm using a torch, if I've shone my light on you, I'm not turning, I'm not taking it off um, as long as you're a threat or a potential threat. Uh, I'm not going to go, oh, I've hit the corn with the light. Shit, he's got a gun. I may have to shoot him. Let me switch my torch off so that he can move, I can move, so that I can try and find him again, try and see what the situation is again, and then may have to may have to engage. I, I'm going to – I'd much rather – and this is where we said earlier, like infantry tactics are not necessarily defensive pistol tactics. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the middle of, a, of, of the trenches of the Somme where if I light a cigarette with that, you know, a third cigarette with that match, a sniper is going to shoot me. Um, I have a threat here. I, I need to take notes. I, I need to be able to control that. Uh, and by turning my light off of him, I'm, I'm giving up that sort of control. I'm giving up that space. Uh, 
And by the same token, I also don't want to now try be trying to set up some sort of weird one-handed, uh, you know, one and a half-handed technique where I smack my torch into my trigger and AD into the dude who wasn't a threat because I was trying to see what was happening. So I want to hop in there just for a moment, T. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, be aware of cool guy stuff, not just cool guy techniques, cool guy attachments and accessories to lights. Um, I'm going to mention a company name. It's not because I want to diss them. Um, I have a therm on my on my torch that I carry every day. Um, it's just a, a ring that your finger goes through. It gives you a little bit of control over the light if you have to do stuff with your hand so the light stays. It's also got this thing where you can you can essentially pull the light into your middle finger while pushing forward with your thumb um, to activate the light, and that's supposed to give you a relatively decent uh, two-handed grip on the gun while still being able to run a handheld torch. Um, now, I've never taken it off. I quite like it as a, a a tool for being able to to keep grip on the gun if I, uh, on the light if I have to do something else. Um, but this went on probably a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer than that ago, whenever we had our last uh, night shoot at Euphius. I bought it, I put it on that morning, I attempted to use it the match, and I would have been much better served just shooting one-handed. Um, now, a year and a half later, and I, I shit you not, a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer than that later, um, I am now able to manipulate this light in the way that they 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 tell you that is possible. It's taken me a year and a half, and I carry this light every single day, and I mess around with it all the time. Um, it's taken me a year and a half to learn that. And despite the fact that I've learned that technique, I would rather do a temple index and shoot my gun one-handed. Um, my, my strong hand only shooting skill is relatively good. It's not at the point that I can shoot with, my, with, with both hands. It's vastly better than I can shoot uh, weekend only, but my strong hand shooting is something that I, I I do every now and again. I don't train quite as much as I need to, but I'm pretty good at it. Um, I would much rather have a handheld temple index shoot one handed than spend a year and a half learning the cool guy tool, which most people aren't going to put a year and a half into learning it. You're going to put it on your torch like I did that morning. You're going to mess around with it for ten minutes. You're, this was a match, so no biggie, but you're going to need it that night. You're going to try and improvise a cool guy technique with your cool guy attachment, and you're not going to be able to do it. I couldn't do it. Um, I had lights on the targets, sort of. Um, I had a really bright torch. I had lots of spill off the ground because this thing was not pointed at targets at any point during that match. It was pointed at the ground, pointed off to the side, all sorts of weird shit happening. Um, and I knew how to temple index. I knew how to shoot one-handed. If I just did that, I would have done a lot better. Yeah. And I bet you, if you, even after that year and a half, you couldn't get that thing to activate 100% of the time under pressure. So having not done it under pressure, I can still confirm that. And do you know why I can confirm that? Because it doesn't even work, always work not under pressure. Because I can't 100% of the time activate it not under pressure. Uh, I'm pretty good. Like my 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 odds of activating it this way now are damn high. It's not 100. Um, it's it's not up at a level where I would be happy doing it. It's really cool for like if you temple index with your finger through that thing and you have to reload or something. It's really cool because you can just let go of the torch. You can do manipulations 
and your torch goes back into your hand. That doesn't go on the floor or something. You don't need to stow it. Um, so I like the ring. I just think that the, 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 the two-handed technique that this supposedly offers you is um, difficult to acquire in terms of skill, not consistent enough. And the odds of people putting in sufficient time to learn how to use it is minimal. Um, the other thing that this reverts back to is we want to be, be testing the, the skills. Oh, sorry, let me start that again. This reverts back to us wanting to test any new equipment that we have where, from what it says that it can do and whether it is something that we can do with it. Um, you know, like Owen said, just with that ring, they said you can shoot it two-handed. And the first few times that he tried it, he pointed the torch at the ground. And that was if he got the button to activate reliably with the way that he was holding it. Now, he's worked a lot with that. And this is going to spill off into what we say next. And we've said it a few times. Is that going to be a typical uh, manipulation that you're going to have to do? So if you've got a weapon-mounted light on it to activate it, deactivate it, etc., that's a manipulation. To temple index with a with a handheld torch and shoot one-handed is a manipulation. And all of those go into subconscious skills. So you have to get some repetitions in on that so that you're not consciously thinking about those manipulations when you actually need to do that. Yep. You know, the, the, the other thing with those weird sort of two-handed things is you're giving up the ability to have the pistol and the light orientated in different places, which is a big advantage of a handheld light. Uh, you know, you can have your pistol in a ready position where you're not muzzle sweeping um, unknowns, and I and you can point your, your 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 light at them and bring the pistol to that threat. If I've now managed to build that funny grip, chances are I'm probably not going to want to give it up. Um, so now I'm, I'm there's there's more chance of me pointing my gun at things. You know, I I quite like the Raven do a clip which has got a little like a rubber. Um, O-ring thing on it uh, that you can flick your pop your uh, your finger through. It works with the sort of one inch sort of lights, so the the um, you know the sort of older surefires and that, uh, and that's quite useful because you can hang on there if you if you need to manipulate in that. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I'm not a big fan of sort of complicated things and like you know, I've got a surefire tactician. I took the lanyard off of it because. I'm not going to wrap that around my hand. Um, and it's more shit to get hung on stuff. It's more shit to, you know, stick out of my pocket. It's, it's more stuff to, to get stuck in an ejection port while I'm trying to clear a malfunction if I haven't had a chance to, to get it all wrapped up. Um, so we need, to, we need to practice this stuff. And the awesome thing is you don't necessarily need a, a, a range you can shoot on in the dark to practice a lot. You can do the manipulation with the, the torch in your hand on, a, on an outdoor range on a sunny day if you want. Um, if your torch is bright enough, you'll have an idea of where it's pointing. But you can practice those manipulations. You can dry practice them in, in, in the house. I don't know why I'm doing the head movements because this isn't a video. Um, and, we appreciate uh, them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just here for you guys. Uh, and, and you can – so do that. Uh, you know, if if you've got a weapon-mounted light, practice, uh, you know, switching it on, switching it off. Uh, be careful. You know, a, a fair amount of years, law enforcement departments, some of them have taken weapon-mounted lights away because guys were doing stupid things like trying to use them to check driver's licenses. Um, and some have got policies about, like, 
not being allowed to activate it with your trigger finger. Uh, because sometimes when that trigger finger is moving around looking for the switch, it kind of it wants to go on the trigger. Um, so that's it. Yeah. So you need to practice that stuff dry, and then you need to practice it live, even before you worry about going in the dark and being an ninja. Um, you, you need to be able to make whatever gear you've got work. Um, and on the gear thing, and I think possibly the, the sort of last, last point for tonight, one of the things that comes up all the time, and, and, and sometimes from people I have huge respect for, so um, please take me in context, uh, guys say, if the light is, if it's dark enough that you can't see your fiber optic sights or whatever, you have to have a light to identify the target, so there's no point having night sights. Um, there are a lot of light conditions where I can tell who you are, um, but where I can't see fiber optic sights. Uh, and coincidentally, a lot of those light conditions are light conditions where I'm, I, I could find myself in a defensive shooting. Once again, that aforementioned parking lot of your spa on your way home. And I bring that up because, once again, Tom Givens has made the point, people talk about on the streets. Nothing happens on the streets because there's cars driving on it. Parking lots, lots of, lots of crime happens in parking lots. Um, so as, as, as an example, but it could also be, you know, a lot of, a lot of South Africans um, and I'm sure around the world, but I know a lot of South Africans have bright lights in their garden that they leave on overnight. Um, now, you get some spill out of that into your house unless you've got blackout curtains everywhere. So you could be standing in your lounge um, with enough light to identify who that person is, or they could be shooting at you, and muzzle flash is, is generally a pretty good uh, IFF indicator um, where you could not see those uh, those fiber optics. You may not necessarily get an opportunity or want to um, activate your handheld because you don't need to PID. The dude's shooting at you. You have positive ID that this is a bad person. We need to put bullets into them. Um, there, so things like night sights, if, if you're going to run iron sights, are valuable in a, in a relatively narrow band of light. The thing is, that narrow band of light has quite a high percentage chance of you needing it. Um, you know, it, it's it's more likely that you're going to be in that sort of lighting condition. Once again, if we, well, Tom Givens doesn't run um, night sights; he runs a, a bright red front sight. But I, I I know some people much cleverer than me as well who who also kind of lean this way. So it's something to consider. Fibers are awesome, and as we discussed in last last week's shows, fibers are awesome when you can see them. Um, but if you've woken up, you're half asleep, you're, you're still, a, you know, your, your eyes haven't kicked in and jokes aside, the older you get, the longer that takes. Um, and you have a threat, you've grabbed your pistol. Sites that you can see in those sort of variable light conditions have a lot going for them. Um, obviously, if you've got a red dot, that makes it easier. But it's, it's something you need to consider. Uh, I don't want sites that I have to shine my torch on to, to, to make them glow because I'm probably not going to have a chance to do that. Um, but if you're running iron sites, I really like sort of that Trijican HD. And I see Trijican have just launched a, a new series of sites um, that are very clever. It's actually quite similar to what Grandpa have done for a while where the, there's a tritium vial with a, a fiber optic tube 
in front, it's behind it, but it's right in front of it from your point of view. Um, so you've got fiber optics during the day, and then that's that's illuminated by tritium at night. If that works, and, and with tritium it probably will, um, you will hopefully be able to get away from the gigantic HD front sight, uh, but have something that's visible across as many light spectra, you know, light conditions as possible. Uh, so that's that's something I think we need to kind of be aware of. Um, you know, if if we can have weapon-mounted light spectrum in a home defense gun, it's nice to have, as as we've discussed earlier. I don't think it's realistic for most people in the self-defense gun, um, because also a, a lot of people are carrying guns that aren't capable of of, of taking light or aren't capable of taking um, the, the way they carry may not necessarily work with it. Uh, so we need to be aware of that. Um, also, just on the gear side, change your batteries regularly on your torch. Don't wait for them to die. Um, and buy good quality batteries. Uh, yeah, the Surefire batteries are obviously really good if you're running CR123s. Um, I'm, I've been re- having really good results with the Vata batteries lately. They seem to be a very high quality battery. I see some of them are made in, in Switzerland and Germany, and that they're, um, I'm, I'm, I'm running those in a lot of things now. Um, but those sort of uh, you know plastic land or plastic store cheapy batteries um are gonna be false economy uh so get 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 quality batteries and throw them away when you want to not when you need to uh don't don't wait until the the, all the glow has gone out of your torch so i want to hop in here for a moment um i'll start off with the battery thing um something to bear in mind with um lithium lithium ion batteries um, or, or lithium polymer batteries and some things, uh, they don't give you much warning in the way of they're going to die like all sort of alkaline batteries and things used to give you. Um, what they do is they might reduce in brightness slightly, but probably not enough for you to notice because this will happen over a period of time and you're not going to see it dimming down while you use it. Um, what they do is they turn on now and 30 seconds from now, they don't turn on because the, the activation voltage is something like 3.7 volts on these things. And anything below like 3.7 volts, I think it's 3.7, but it might be slightly different. Anything below that is not going to turn it on full stop. Um, so it, it, the moment it goes below that, it stops working. It doesn't come on a little, little dim. It does not work. Um, so don't change your batteries when you think the torch is going dim. Um, change your batteries on some schedule. So if you use the torch a lot, that'll need to be a lot more frequent. Um, if you're like me and you carry a fighting torch and you carry a little task light, that gets extended a little bit, but still do it on some schedule. Put it in your diary, in your calendar on your phone, have it remind you and swap them out when that reminder pops up. Doesn't matter how bright you think the torch still is. None of that stuff matters. When the reminder pops up, you change those batteries. Um, keep batteries in stock. So be sure that you have batteries available to change them because if you don't, you're going to push that out a week or two weeks, or three weeks or whatever until you can get to the shops that stock those batteries. Uh, and the chance of forgetting to change them is is great. Sometimes you can't find the, at least likely with, with like one to threes, but sometimes you can't find the batteries that you need at that moment and you just don't change them and you end up with a torch that doesn't work. So keep some in stock, store your batteries in a cool place. Um, 
because they deteriorate if they're not in cool places above certain temperatures they don't last very long even if you're not using them um so those are important rule of thumb is um if the flat trees are bad it's too late <laughs> yeah that's the good rule. <laughs> Um, just hopping back to night sites for a moment. Um, I like night sites a lot. Um, now they are harder to shoot to a great accuracy standard because they tend to be fat. Um, that's just the nature of the thing. Um, but they're super useful in limited lighting conditions, but lighting conditions that happen every single day. Um, like no jokes that, that, that certain time of the day where inside it's too dark to see shit outside your house, uh, inside your house, but outside it's still light enough to see stuff happens every single day. Um, for most of us, our garages are pitch dark because they don't have windows generally. I mean, some do, but generally they don't. If you've pulled into your house during the day, you've closed the garage door behind you, you get out your car, you open your door to walk into your house, your house is brightly lit, your garage is pitch black dark. If you need to engage through that from the garage into your house, maybe you have enough light next to the site to, to be able to make those shots. Maybe you don't, depending on how fat your sights are. But the chances of you being able to see your sights, so not talking about the light gaps between the sights, but seeing the actual sights is super limited. Um, and if you can't see the rear sight, reality check, you can't make accurate shots beyond some distance it's going to be highly skill dependent highly shooter dependent highly gun dependent but there is an absolute sort of distance limit where you can't make accurate shots and when i say accurate i mean low probability shots you could probably hit a human sized target but you can't hit that grapefruit grapefruit sized thing that matters um and remember when i say that lots of guys are going to the range and they're like well i can do this consistently at the range at my, my limit's 12 meters. So at 12 meters, I can shoot a gun pretty well without sights, okay? Which is really great, but cool story, bro, because my target's standing still and I'm standing still. Bad guys you're trying to shoot, do not stand still. The body mechanic alignment thing does not work because they're moving because you don't want to get shot. Um, odds of you being moving in some direction, also great. Sights are important. So night sights, Game changer in those environments, and that happens for all of us every single day. Um, it might be a really small slice of time, but it happens every day. Um, so I, I'm a great proponent of them on carry guns. Um, I think they help. I think they're worth the cost of entry. I mean, you should just put a red dot on your gun because it's 2021. <laughs> Allegedly. Because <laughs> those don't <laughs> care about the light. But, Jono, it's, it, it's a serious thing. Guys don't. Uh, you know, guys going about party tricks and that, and it's not about your best performance. It's about the, can you hit that grapefruit at 12 meters cold first shot? Um, you know, because that's what, that's what actually matters. It's not the, at the end of the day of all this cool guy point shooting stuff, I could do this. It's if I put the target at a peculiar height, at a peculiar angle to you, and we go first shot of the day out the out the holster, wang it. Where can you guarantee you can do that without the sights? And and that's 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 a sort of general question that we need to be looking at us, you know, asking ourselves. Um, the other thing with a lot of that is how often is it not actually? Are you actually aiming? You're just not 
quite aware of. Uh, and I think a lot of people get confused there as well because they go, well, I didn't see my sights. You may not remember being aware of them, but if the gun was up in your eye line, there's a very good chance you got feedback from your sights. Uh, I've said to guys all the time who tell me no, they don't use sights, awesome. Let's see. Knock the sights off of your gun, get a, get a slide with no sights on it, and and let's see the party trick now. Yep. And and let's put put some, you know, uh, Todd Green had a thing on he did for a charity thing, and I think it's be quite a nice idea where he uh, on a fast drill thing he basically stapled twenty dollar bills, uh, or you stapled your own twenty dollar bills around the head ASO, and if you hit them, you donated them to charity. So you know when guys go, oh, okay, I'm going to take you're going to take two hundred rand notes around the the black on a B eight. And and you tell me that distance that you say you can do it, can you cold on demand draw that? And if you don't hit it, you give me the 200 bucks. Uh, yep. And we'll keep Thanks. doing it until I've got all your money. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's where guys, and this isn't aimed at Kuna, I'm just, I was using the 12 meters because it was a, a, a figure yep. you brought up. But guys often get a little bit excited about, ooh, I can do X and I can do Y. You know, it's it's the classic, I can do a 1.89 second bull drill. Can you or did you do it once? Um, you know, I, from from a defensive point of view, I'm, I'm far more interested in what you can do 90% of the time because uh, I don't think any of us can do anything 100% of the time. But 90, 95% of the time, what, what can you do on demand? Um, not what can you do if everything pulls together. That's exactly why I said cool story, bro. Hmm. Target's not moving. You're standing still. You're aligned to it. You know you have to shoot it. Um, there's no real pressure. Uh, there's no, no adrenaline dump. Um, that stuff works fantastically well on the range. Uh, but remember that when you're, you're stressed, you're there's a fear of dying or a real fear of injury. Um, things are moving around. You're moving around. Um, targets can be bladed so they get substantially smaller than they are on the uh, the perfect presentation that we get on paper targets in the range. That shit does not work. It it just doesn't. Yeah, and I think you know even not just related to low light. Go when you go to the range. Do some drills. Like start your range session cold. Um and, and and do do a drill not warmed up. So do something where there's a timer and a target and a standard and see what happens. You know, a really simple one and um is is Ken Hackathon's wizard drill. Uh and that is should be done as you get to the range, you'll carry gun, you'll carry ammo, you'll carry holster. Uh and it's three meter one-handed headshot at, at about a sort of a four-inch circle, like I normally use an IDPA, zero, uh, the new IDPA target was well, not that new, uh, the zero point down in the head. And then five meters, then seven meters, then then two shots of body, 10 meters, all done under two and a half seconds per run, which is not super fast. You know, two and a half second draw is not the fastest draw in the world. You would be surprised how often people fail that. Um, and that, that's, and I mean, you could do that low lights if you wanted to be, Particularly cool guy. <coughs> Actually, that might be an interesting exercise to try. Um, but try that with your carry setup and see what happens. Um, and K 
can you do it cold? <laughs> Pardon me. Bless you. I didn't have time. Bless you. Um, <laughs> can you do that, that particular exercise um, cold? Because if you can't, then you can't do it. Uh, exactly. You know, and, and then you should maybe be slightly less worried about cool guy stuff. Fantastic point. Um, I think we've mentioned doing stuff cold in the past um, and getting into a, a habit of doing some similar things cold that test skill every time you go to the range. So before you've done any warm-ups, before you've shot some stuff and got some, some rounds on your gun, um, your, your first couple of rounds for the day out of any gun, uh, if you've got limited range access, should probably be out of your carry gun. From your carry gear on a realistic humanoid target doing something like the wizard roll, you know, some, something that is a, a realistic test of defensive skill. Um, and it's a really great idea to track your performance on those um, to do some level of accuracy uh, so that you can see if you change guns, you can see whether you're maintaining your level of proficiency. Um, so if you change carry guns, if you're going through a period where things are strained, things like my eyes at the moment, for instance, That'll show you that something is wrong and something needs to be addressed. Um, you're doing particularly well one week and the next week you're, you're, you're way down in the dumps. Um, there's probably some learning that could happen there and some, some introspection on why that's happening that could help you avoid the low lows in the future. Um, you, want to have a, you want to have a good standard uh, average. The Super highs where you occasionally hit it, they're great, they make you feel great, but they're not your on-demand skill. And the super low lows, um, they're bad and they're really good for learning. And hopefully if you train regularly, they're not your average either. Um, I think also related to that, and I'm, I'm going to make a little plug for competition shooting, uh, because your first stage of the day is probably going to be done drop cold. Uh, it, very few of us and, and, and most of the ranges that you're going to shoot matches on, especially sort of that club shoots and that sort of thing, there's not going to be another little side bay where you can get a couple of rounds in and warm up. You're going to get to the range and you might get a chance to dry fire in the safety area. But your first stage of the day, your first shots of the day are going to be for score. Uh, no, it's not going to be from, not necessarily going to be from your carry holster or anything. But there is an incentive to be able to do that thing cold because you may get to a match and the 32 round stage is the first stage you shoot that day or the stage with the weekend only shots or, or whatever particular thing it is that you don't like. I mean, we shot a match the other day that the first stage we had had three movers on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, first stage of the day, here you go, start up. You're going to have three different movers on, on this first stage. And while you may not be using the same gun, you're not going to be using the same tactics, what you are getting out of that is you've got to have on-demand performance cold. So that's my you, little go become a sports shooter soapbox again. Yeah, you're, you're accessing the same skill set, even if the gear and perhaps the tactics are slightly different that a lot of people advocate against sports shooting for. Um, you're testing the skill on the regs. You're going to get tested cold whether you like it or not. Um, and often 
because sport will become something that matters to you if you if you start doing it often it'll have a lot of added pressure that you won't have when you go to the range and you're into practice um valuable way to to both test skill and learn about your current level of skill um not a great place to practice practicing at matches kind of sucks um but a really good place to test guys anything else you want to add to this anything that we've missed any questions no no i'm all good all good stuff t have we hit all the topics that you wanted to hit um i don't think we've hit all the topics we could have hit but i think we've covered a lot and i i I think we kind of um if this particular stuff guys want to discuss in the future we can they can hit us up and we we can hit on that um, but i think we've got quite a bit uh got through quite a bit today awesome i agree with that cool stuff guys do you want to do your magic yeah so as always we do appreciate everyone and their support and their questions and following on facebook and instagram uh and we also appreciate all of the downloads and listening and enjoying our podcast we hope um, and as always, if you wouldn't mind, please just giving us a minimum of a five-star rating. That way you get to join the club. Later, losers. <laughs>